Good morning again. Um, we are ending Advent, and it, it feels weird because we walked in and Christmas is over, but the school so graciously let us keep our uh, setup set up from last Sunday, from Christmas Eve service. So we didn't have to tear down anything last week. We didn't have to set anything up this week, so we thought, why not just continue this Christmas celebration, right, where we... we we walked through Advent, and we've got these lovely Christmas trees and poinsettias and candles and the whole bit, right? But it feels weird because Christmas is over, and we're moving on to New Year's, and some of y'all will stay up way too late tonight. I'm going to hopefully be in bed by about 9.30 um, if our six-week-old allows us, um, and we'll try and get some sleep tonight. But we are wrapping this up where we've talked about each week, we've talked about the hope, the joy, the love, the peace of God. And at times, I think we, in, in Christmas, we just kind of sit with that, and we enjoy it, and it makes us feel warm and fuzzy um, because there's Christmas lights everywhere, and we, some of us drive to the plaza to see the Christmas lights. Some of us go to Christmas in the park or the old Chicago street lights when they used to be around here in Blue Springs. And, you know, we go do these things that make us feel warm and fuzzy and all comfy cozy, and then... December 26th happens, and New Year's Eve happens, and then all of a sudden, you're back to the real world, right? Christmas lights come down. Hopefully, you're not one of those people that leaves your tree up year-round. Not that that's a bad thing, but it's, it's a little odd, right? But it can feel weird, and so we're, we're in this kind of transition period where we're st- ending a year and starting anew, and we just got done with all these warm fuzzies, Right? But how do we take that onward? How do we go forward with that? And as I kind of started to think about, for me personally in my life and in the life of our church, of our individuals in the church and as our church collectively, I was thinking like, what what truth of God rang out over us over this past year? What specific thing of God has been ringing over us. It's, it's in the phrase this week that I kept coming up with in my ears was like, this word is ringing in my ears as we think about what God's done. And it's the faithfulness that God has for us. Right? In the midst of everything that's going on in our life, individually, globally, as a world, and community-wide, here, as a group of believers, the word that's been ringing for me is faithfulness. How, does, how has God been faithful to me, to us, to the world in the past year? And so in order to understand what that is or even what he's done in our midst, we have to understand what is God's faithfulness, right? We've got to understand that. We've got to understand what our response to his faithfulness needs to be. And we have to look at ourselves and say, how did I respond in the midst of God's faithfulness? If I now know what my response should be, how did I respond? And how can I respond in the future? So that's where we're headed. Just a heads up. We're going to talk about faithfulness, talk about what that means for us, and then how we should be responding in that moment. Everybody on board with me? Head nods? Yeah? Cool? All right. Here we go. So what is faithfulness? How do we define faithfulness? I mean, I could go look it up in the dictionary, but I didn't. I went to Scripture, which I think sometimes is better, uh, most of the time is better. And um, the passage that kept coming to mind is in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus. So if you want to open your Bibles to Exodus, we're just going to sit in two verses today, and that's it. We're just going to kind of be there 
So a little backstory of what's happening here in this text. Moses has heard from God at the burning bush, gone to Egypt, uh, told Pharaoh, hey, give me my people. Pharaoh finally said yes. They head out, right? They're in slavery. They're heading out. The Israelites are heading out. They get to the Red Sea. God parts the Red Sea. We're moving quick today, right? God parts the Red Sea, and they get across, and now they're moving through, and God sends Moses up to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments and God's laws on two big tablets, right? So Moses gets these things from God, heads back down, And on his way down, Scripture says, he hears singing and realizes that the Israelites, who were just enslaved, who've walked across a sea, right, who have seen the faithfulness of God in their life over and over and over again, literally, like just not that long ago, have turned away and have made a golden calf and are now worshiping something other than God. So that's where we're at. Moses has these two things. He gets so frustrated What is happening? Don't you see that God has given us so much? He gets so frustrated, he throws the tablets down and they shatter. And God asks Moses, make two more tablets and come on up to the mountain again. And that's where we're at. So God's people have seen God work in a huge way, turned their back, and now their leader, Moses, is heading back up the mountain with God with two empty tablets right, to get these new laws, these new kind of guidelines for how we should live in relationship with God, again, for their people. And so Moses is heading up the mountain, and as he gets to the top, I'm going to start in verse 4, just really quickly. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets, Exodus 34, verse 4, like the first ones, and went up to Mount Sinai early in the morning, as the Lord had commanded him, and he carried the two stone tablets in his hand. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And then this is where we're going to sit today. So Moses heads up to the top. He's got these two blank tablets, and the Lord shows up, right? Shows up in a cloud, it says, and stood with him. You want to have your mind blown? Stand on a mountain with two stone tablets and have a cloud come down, and it'd be God. And then this happens, and he proclaims his name, and he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to the thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation. God proclaims who he is to Moses. Now Moses has kind of already had this experience with God at the burning bush. He's standing in front of the burning bush and God's saying, go to Egypt, go to Egypt and get my people out of slavery. And Moses says, who shall I say sent me? And he says, I am that I am. And then God takes that, I am, and he kind of gives a stronger definition to it, to Moses right here. The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to the thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. 
not leaving the guilty unpunished, he punishes the children and their children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation. And if we wanted to, we could spend uh, six months on two verses, right? But I've got 30 minutes. So we're gonna focus on three words or four words. Abounding in love and faithfulness, right? So if God is saying, this is who I am, Moses. This is who I am. And in the midst of that, he says, I abound in love and I abound in faithfulness. We gotta get our heads wrapped around what that means. What does it mean to abound in love and faithfulness? They're tied together. They're back to back. Abounding in love and abounding in faithfulness. So as I've kind of done some digging, uh, what I've found is the, the word faithfulness there in, the, in Hebrew, and I'm going to butcher it, so I'm not even going to try, Amy. It's, it's spelled E-M-E-T, which means truth, or it means an amen, to put a period at the end of something, to say, yes, this is truth, an amen statement, right? Abounding in love and faithfulness, the truth. God abounds in his love and he abounds in his truth, right? This is what God's faithfulness is. It, if it's in his name, he can't deviate from it, right? Because it's part of who he is. I won't ever not be Adam, because that's who I am, right? God can't ever not be abounding in faithfulness, because it's who he is. It's in his name. He is a trustworthy God. Growing up, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church in Kearney, Missouri, and like most Southern Baptist churches who, that were built in the mid to late 80s, it had this beautiful sanctuary with like 100-year-old stained glass. It's still there. It's gorgeous. You know, old light fixtures that have been redone and repurposed that look beautiful. And on the stage, there's a choir loft, right? And everybody would come out in their light blue robes, looking sharp, burgundy sashes, right? And they'd stand up there and they'd sing these songs, and in the third row of the choir loft, there are three rows. In the third row on the right-hand side were the basses, the, the men with the deep voices. They sat up there. And one man, his name was Milt Gabriel. He's a great little short man with a beard, nicest guy in the world. But he's got this deep voice. And whenever something in the service, it could be anything in the service that he was like completely on board with, he would let out this big amen, amen, right? This big, deep Amen, amen. Coming from the third row of the choir loft. You could be anywhere in this sanctuary. It holds 800 people. Be sitting anywhere in this thing and you'd be like, that was Milt. You knew it, right? Milt was saying, this is a truth that I can stand on. And God is saying, my faithfulness in our lives is a truth that you can bellow out a deep-throated, full-hearted amen to because it's who I am. It's what I stand for. It's in my name, and I won't deviate from it. My faithfulness is my trustworthiness. You can trust me. When I say something, you can lean on it. You can bank on it. You can hang your hat on it. That's what God is saying here. My love for you abounds, and so does my trustworthiness. So lean in. That's what God is saying here. 
in this moment. God is loyal and never abandons. You can count on him. We, uh, in June, I suckered my wife into getting a dog. Our, our previous dog passed away, and I, you know, you, I, I'd had her for a while, and so you go through that time of mourning, and then I was like, I need a dog, right? I'm a dog, I like dogs, so I wanted a dog. I don't like small dogs. If I can step on your dog, and your dog might die if I step on you, that's not a dog. That's a rat, right? That's a, it might as well be a cat, and cats are the worst. So, uh, okay, here we go. We got some hack, I got some energy from the crowd. Uh, <laughs> cats are the worst. <laughs> I'll just say it. Uh, anyway, so we, I, I suckered Megan into letting me get a dog, and we bought this dog. I got this dog from the, from the pound, and his name is Flint. He's uh, part Great Dane, part Sharpay, so he's a big guy. He's all muscle. That's all he is. And he um, is a really, like, for a dog that you don't know anything about, he's five. I didn't know anything about him. He's the best dog. He's super loyal. He's right here all the time. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. He's right here. It doesn't matter. I can be anywhere in the house, and he's near me. He's always here. I'm tripping over him. He's always there, right? Every once in a while, he's not there, but he's right around the corner, right? He's always close. He's always headed towards me in some way, and that's how God functions, for us. At times, it feels like he's right by your side and you're tripping over him. You can't like not see God's faithfulness in your life because you're just tripping over his faithfulness all the time. But at times, you're like, where is he? But he's right around the corner waiting for you to say, come on, let's go, God, right? That's God's faithfulness in our life. He's right here ready for us. We can trust him. We can bank on it. Another, word, another phrase that we've heard at Gateway a lot over our life is God's faithfulness, faithfulness can be defined as this. He keeps his promises, all of them. God's faithfulness is that he keeps his promises. So if all of these things are true, if he is faithful, if he is trustworthy, if, he, if we can hang our hat on him, he's loyal, he never abandons, then why... Why in our lives is there pain, suffering, heartache, grief, struggle in any way? If God is faithful, if God is this thing that he says he is, why do we struggle? Why do we have a difficult time in our lives? Why in the life of our church over this past year has it been a little chaotic at times? Why? And it's not because he's not faithful. It's because, listen to this, his faithfulness is not tied to our own circumstances. His faithfulness is not tied to our own circumstances or our preferences or our own desires. God's faithfulness is bigger than that. The whole of the Bible is a story of God's faithfulness. And in Genesis God sits down with Abraham and he says this to him, I will bless you, Abraham. I will make you a great nation and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is the start of the, the Jewish nation. God comes to Abraham and says, hey, I'm gonna make you a promise right here, right now. And it, if you remember, 
what we just talked about, God keeps his promises, right? So I'm gonna make you a great nation, Abraham. Your offspring is gonna become great. And guess what? All the people, all the people on earth will be blessed through you. God makes this promise to Abraham. And we, we see this time after time as we look at the Old Testament of God's people, the Jewish nation, the Israelites failing and God rescuing them. We see it as they leave Egypt. We see it as God gives the Ten Commandments again to Moses and says, hey, this is my name. I'm compassionate and gracious and slow to anger. And here's me abounding in love and faithfulness because your people just walked away from me, but I'm here ready to take you back. And as the Israelites are moving through their life as a nation, they are failing time and time again. And God is there to pick up the pieces every time. And then the cross happens. God's faithfulness is not tied to our own circumstances. It's tied to his promise that he made Abraham, that he's gonna bless all the people on earth through Abraham, and that leads to the cross. Jesus Christ, a descendant of Abraham, came to this earth and lived a perfect life so that we might be blessed and have relationship with God again. That our redemption story might be made complete. God's faithfulness in our life is not tied to us, it's tied to the cross. So when we say, why God, why am I struggling so much? Why is all this stuff happening in my life? We can say, it's not tied to me, it's tied to the cross. And I can bank on that, I can lean on that, I can trust on that, I can give a wholehearted amen to that. Because it's not about me, it's about his redemption story about his redemption story and when we lean into that our lives are changed when we lean into that our lives are changed John 16 says this I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world you will have trouble but take heart I have come to overcome the world Jesus Christ didn't come to make us feel warm fuzzies he came to overcome the world to redeem us to bring us into his fold, to complete the promise that he made Abraham. God's redemption story is his faithfulness, not our own desires, not our own wants, not our own circumstances or struggles, but it's his faithfulness. Uh, there's a book by John Mark Comer called God Has a Name, and in the, that book he says this, Jesus takes all our failure millennia of broken promises and drags it to the cross, absorbing it in his death and then breaking its hold over humanity through his resurrection. This is why the writers of the New Testament are constantly quoting from the Old Testament. For them, the gospel starts in Genesis and not in Matthew. Yahweh made a promise and he was faithful to the point of death and he's still not done. He will keep all of his promises. Jesus will return and see to it. And it's because of Yahweh's love and faithfulness that we can look forward to a world set free from the entropy of death. We can hope for this. We can plan on it. We can bank on it. God's faithfulness isn't tied to our circumstances. It's tied to the cross. 
We can be confident of this in Philippians 1.6, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's not saying God's going to make everything warm and fuzzy for you. It's saying, hey, I'm going to redeem your life. I'm going to complete that. I'm going to keep my promise. We can have confidence that God is who he said he is, and he saved us, and he will never let go. We can be confident in that. So if God is faithful, and it's not tied to our own circumstances, it's tied to the cross, it's tied to his redemption story, then what's our response in all of this? What's our job, what's our role in understanding God's faithfulness and understanding who he is? Well, he says, my name is trustworthy. So what should our response be? To trust him. Pretty simple, right? It's not complicated. We need to trust. God is trustworthy. So why don't we? Why don't we trust him? So often we can't see past our own noses. We can't see past our own problems. We can't see past our own desires. And so we miss God asking us to trust him. And we start trusting things that aren't him. You see, Moses went up to Mount Sinai carrying these two tablets. And the Israelites are below and they can't see Moses. There's a cloud shrouding the mountain. They can't see him. And he's been up there a while, like days and days and days. And the Israelite people start to get antsy. And they start to get kind of like, we don't want, should we trust this anymore? I mean, is he even coming back? Is God really up there? And for us in our lives, it might seem like we don't see God working for days and days and days or months or years in our lives. And we're saying, I don't see him, so I'm going to stop trusting him. But God's right around the corner, peeking out waiting for you to say, come on, I'm trusting you again. He's right there. Second Timothy 2.13 says this, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. If we don't trust him, he's still gonna be the same God because it's who he is. It's in his name. It's who God is. If we're faithless, he's faithful. So let's trust him. Let's lean into him. Let's say yes, amen to God, to what he's got going on around us. God is still the same even if we don't think he is. So how do we trust? How do we trust God more? I don't have like a five-step Thing for you. I have one illustration. Um, I was listening to something and they were talking about teaching their daughter to ride a bike. And this clicked for me, so hopefully it clicks for you. But his daughter was, was tired of being on training wheels, tired of being um, a child, tired of not having the freedom that she could have if she didn't have training wheels. 
So he took him off, and he was trying to show her how to ride it. And he was sending her on her way, and she was going. But as she was pedaling, she was looking down at her feet. She was looking at her feet, and she's pedaling. And the bike is going all over the place. And she fall. And you get her up, and you wipe her tears, fix her scrapes, and get her back on it. And she'd go, and she'd look down, and just wobble, 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 fall. Wobble, 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 fall. And finally, he said, look up. Look out. And that bike just lined up. And she sailed down the road with the freedom that a five-year-old can have on a bike, right? How, what joy is that in their life? But to look up is the only way not to fall. To look up is the only way that we can trust that God is carrying us, that God is faithful. Because if we're looking down at our own circumstances, if we're looking down at the, own, the things that are in our life that are just not going right, guess what? They're going to keep not going right. But if we look up and we say, God, where are we going? Let's go. And I trust you. That wobble's going to go away. That uncertainty in your life is going to fade. And God will give you a foundation to walk on he is faithful and he is trustworthy so my challenge to you today is to look up and out and not down see in the life of our church over the past year we've gone through some stuff right we lost a pastor and in the midst of that in the midst of that aftermath of that we lost people we lost friends we lost church family and it hurt and it's hard and God is saying don't look down at that look up I'm faithful see some of us in this place haven't looked up so we haven't seen God's faithfulness in our midst throughout the past year I mean if we look just at a couple of places where God's been faithful um, I when I first came to Gateway, I volunteered with the TPX ministry, and then Jeremy Williams and I kind of took it over and ran it for a number of years. And then this past year, we hired Zach Butler as the youth pastor. And this ministry that I feel very strongly about because I was there, right, has just flourished. And God is doing amazing things through our student ministry, through Zach. God's been faithful to the work that's been put in before and the work that's being put in now. God is being faithful in moving students to come to know Christ, to be baptized, to seek him more. And it's not about how great we are. No, it's about God's redemption story. They're coming to know who he is in a real way. That's huge. If we look at Kids Quest, kids, children are coming to know Christ in a real way. They're being baptized. And they're digging into scripture. It's huge. If we look at life groups, people are doing life together in a real way where God is moving in the life of people where they're getting to know each other and as they get to know each other and have relationship with one another, they get to point people to the cross. And that's great. 
That's huge. God's been faithful to our church. Those are just the, the tip of the iceberg. I mean, we can talk about God's faithfulness stories all day long. But he's been faithful. He's been faithful to me this past year. Where for years, I've had this pull to, to teach or to lead out in a different way. And now the opportunity's here. God's been faithful. It's hard when we're looking down and our bike is wobbling and we're hitting curbs and we're hitting trees and we're falling over. But if our eyes are up and focused on the compassionate and gracious God who abounds in love and faithfulness, oh, what we can do in his name. Oh, how many people we can point to the cross in his name. For some of us here, we're in the midst of turmoil. There are families in our church that are hurting. There are people who are struggling. And to you, let me say this, God is faithful. God is faithful. Even when we can't see it, he is faithful. And so if that's you today, how do I trust God when I've lost my job? How do I trust God when my father's in the hospital? How do I trust God when all of this stuff is happening around me? I don't have a five-step program, but I do have this, look up. Because he's faithful and he loves us. Faithful to the cross. It's his nature, it's his name. He will be faithful now in our lives and in the future. In the future of our church, God will be faithful. In the future of our lives, God will be faithful. Our trustees are in the process of figuring out our pastor search stuff and finalizing it. God will be faithful in that. It might not be what we personally might like at the end of the day but it's what God wants for us so that he can point people to his redemption story, to his cross, to bring him glory. God will be faithful in our leadership ability to figure out whether or not we're supposed to stay in this building or what we're supposed to do as a church. God will be faithful in that. God will be faithful to you guys, Jim and Tony, and to the Myricks, as you guys are heading out to go serve. God will be faithful in that. And we get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of all of it if we look up. Get out of our own heads and look up and see what God's got going on around us. God will be faithful in your life. It won't be easy. But his faithfulness isn't about us. It's about him and his glory, and his redemption story. <clears throat> this next year, for me to, to hear God's voice, to hear and recognize his faithfulness more so that I can lean into him, personally, I'll give it to you. I'll be honest for a moment, right? I've got to remove some distraction. I like a good distraction. I don't know about you guys, but I like, I like a, a, a stupid video on YouTube or a, 
a show on Netflix or a podcast to listen to. All these moments where there's noise happening and I miss out, I'm sure, on things that God is doing or trying to teach me because I'm replacing it with noise. And so for me this year, for me, I gotta look up out of the distraction and see what he's doing around me more, see what he's teaching me more, hear and learn about his faithfulness more in scripture so that I can lean into it more, so that I can trust him more, so that I can give an amen to him more. That's me. For you, it's different. But that's me. So today, as we leave here, as we're heading out, we have an opportunity to say, yes, God is faithful, and we wanna be a part of that. And so we've got this end of the year giving that Gateway's doing, where 50% goes to kind of a building fund, and 25% goes to Jim and Tony Kay, and the other 25% goes to uh, James and Shelley Myrick and their family as they head to Kenya. And so we want to hear as a church say, yes, we believe that God's been faithful to these things and we want to be a part of it. And so today, if God's put something on your heart where you want to give something on this last day of the year, Rob and Vince are standing at the doors, two of our trustees, and they've got baskets. On your way out, you can drop it in. No obligation, no forcefulness. But if God's ringing his faithfulness in your heart today, give, give, okay? Let's pray one more time and we'll be done this morning. God, we love you for your faithfulness. We thank you for the work that you're already doing, the work that you're doing in these ministries that we're giving to this morning and the work that you're doing in the countless other ministries of our church and in the lives of the people of our church. Help us today, God, to look up, to get out of our own way, to look up and to see you and to trust you, to trust that you keep your promises, to trust that you are faithful, and to trust that you'll never abandon us, even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of turmoil. We can trust you because you're faithful. And we can give a wholehearted, full-throated amen to the work that you're doing. Let's go from here and enjoy celebrating tonight and go into the next year seeking you even more, oh God. We love you and we praise you. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you guys so much for coming. Have a wonderful new year. We'll see you all next week.